0: what's going on everyone it's your boy b here with the purpose driven risk podcast as always we are here to help everyday people and students take risks with a purpose um i'm super excited uh today we have an awesome guest listen she's a superwoman right she's a wife a mom a serial entrepreneur i say serial entrepreneur because she's been successful in one business and um she's launching another business actually by the time you're listening to this she would have launched her second business so um I am super excited because I think you guys have great information um and um Elise Elise K man can you go ahead and just give us a little introduction if if someone was to meet you like what do you usually say to people when you introduce yourself like if you're speaking somewhere
1: Yeah okay so Hey, guys. So my name is Elise. And I always started off from, you know, kind of like when, when you met me, I always started off with uh, college because what I do now is completely the opposite of what I studied in college. Wow. Um, so I went to college with the intentions of being some type of computer scientist. And that just failed. Miserably, so I went to the next route, which was mathematics. And so I have a whole degree in mathematics with two minors in the business parts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And realistically, I graduated in math because my mom said she wasn't going to pay for me to study psychology because I wouldn't get a job. So studied mathematics and graduated and had a job. I had a job offer by the time graduation rolled around. So, I mean, you know, it served its purpose. Um, but I realized literally like within six months at my corporate job, like probably less than that, literally probably within three or four months, I was like, you know what? Like, I definitely don't see myself doing this for the rest of my life. I don't see myself doing this for 30 years. Um, like it's okay, but I'm like, this is going to get old very quickly. And I was like, what else is there for me to do? And I got exposed to entrepreneurship. Were you,
0: were you, were you successful at your job? Like, I'm, I'm just saying like, were you good at your job?
1: Yeah, like, I would say, like, in the beginning, I wasn't, like, because I was an insurance underwriter, so a lot of, like, number crunching and, like, program different stuff, um, and here's the thing. Like, my first, like, six months, I was okay because I was new, and I had a mentor, and she literally quit, like, while I was still, like, a new hire, and then they assigned me a new mentor, and, like, within six months, that person quit, so I had, like, Damn. no, like, mentorship for right, real. Right, right for like that first I want to say like year um, and I got a new manager and my manager like he had my like year review with me and was like you know like we kind of expected you to be like a little further along and then he was like but I've talked to like along with like management and we've realized you've really had no mentorship like up until this time like everyone has kind of like left and so you've kind of been gypped from that like experience and I was like yeah but to me I didn't really notice I just knew that I didn't really enjoy what I was doing Right. Sorry if you're my kid yelling. But anyway. No, that's fine. Um, and so he literally kind of just took me under his wing, like, as my new manager and, like, trained me and mentored me. And literally just within that short time, like, within six months, I had, like, shot up, like, really excelled, okay. was doing really, really well. And so when I left, I was doing really, really well. Like, they were very, very sad that I was leaving. And like, so,
0: so like, you studied, okay, so you studied um, math. You studied math, which I, mm-hmm. I definitely remember that. Um, And then, and then you went into insurance underwriting. Is that a job that most math like majors is, is, does that align with like being a math major or is that?
1: Kind of. So literally I found the job from looking up like jobs for math majors. And a lot of the jobs you'll find like for math majors, you'll find mathematicians, like statisticians, math teachers, um, and actuaries. Actuary was like my like main goal because they made a lot of money. Did I enjoy anything having to do with that? Absolutely not. Um, but I couldn't pass the test. Like I tried to take the test in college and I couldn't pass it. And so you have to take this really like Excel like probability test in order to even like get into like an internship to be an actuary. And so underwriting is like like the step like right underneath it. Like as an underwriter, we worked with actuaries. So it was like the step right below it. Um, like my boss was a, had a math degree. So it's it's pretty common. A lot of the people I worked with did have like math degrees. Then you had some that were like outliers, like English or like finance. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. No. Yeah. But- I asked I asked that because I mean, as you know, I, we want to help people make smart choices um, and kind of like pretty much allow them to understand that like if you're a math major right now, you don't just have to be a math teacher and you you know what I'm saying, working in elementary, middle school, high school. Yeah. Um, just so many other things you can do you know with, mm-hmm. with math and I don't know I'm just assuming but insurance underwriters make more money than math teachers like no shade to oh absolutely okay. yeah
1: but, I was in Tennessee and I was making good money like in okay. the south okay. I was making good money yeah
0: okay good so yeah that's just a little that's just a little plug for anyone who's studying math like listen you don't have to. because what I find is that like sometimes it's not even the major you pick it's the job you pick after you graduate Mm -hmm. and then you're complaining like oh my gosh i don't make any money no like you just don't have the right job within that field Mm -hmm. but there's a ton of jobs that make you know better money so but okay all right so you studied you went to college you graduated but let's go back a little bit more like tell us about like elise like small elise like what was elise like (sighs) as a child like connecting to today like what was that like
1: so It's so crazy because thinking about my childhood, the fact that I'm an entrepreneur, it like makes sense, but I would have never seen this coming. So growing up, like as a kid, I like middle school, I was bullied like a lot. Like it was like, yeah, like that was like, and I was very like soft and I didn't really like stand up for myself. I was very like shy and I would try really hard to fit in and it just wouldn't work. Like, and this didn't happen until I was probably like 12. So like the worst time, like when you're like just starting yeah. like teenage years, puberty, because I had been at this one private school for like my whole like childhood. And then we switched to public school, like for my seventh grade year. And it was the worst, the worst experience. Oh, don't um, say
0: that about public school. No, 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 no.
1: no it's not public school. That's okay, not what okay, it was. Okay, it was okay, just okay. that year because eighth grade, I had a really good time. Okay. Um, okay, seventh grade was like my first experience with like clicks and like bullying and like literally like one of the girls like i was best friends with at my private school we went to this public school together she literally stopped talking to me acted like she didn't even know me at this school like it was insane i had never been through something like that before and i just i don't know that was like my first experience of like man like you really have to, like, figure this stuff out on your own. Like, okay. And so I went to another school for eighth grade, and it was a good experience. But then high school went to a new school because then middle school ends. And so, you know, and I had, like, some friends in, like, high school, ninth grade and tenth grade. But it just... I wasn't enjoying high school. I didn't really enjoy the experience. Like I hated the whole idea of clicks. Like I hated having to like struggle to find people to sit with at lunch because the few friends I had didn't share the same lunch period. Like I was just like, I just felt like high school wasn't the ideal place for me to thrive in the sense where I could be independent without feeling like I was lonely or like I was doing something weird. And so I came home one day, sophomore year of high school busted in my parents' room just like with tears, just like crying, like I can't stay here. Like I need to, I need to leave. I need to do something else. And one of my friends, yeah. So one of my friends had told me about dual enrollment, which is basically where you take all your high school classes at a local university. So, um, or you can do community college or university, but one of the universities near me, um, allowed you to do it if your GPA was high at a certain level. And so, I literally like junior and senior year, I did not step foot into my high school ever again, just to check, with, check in with my guidance counselor for her to approve right. my classes. And I stayed at Fitchburg State University for my last two years. And that was literally where everything changed for me. Like, It was like, I realized you get to college and nobody cares if you're sitting by yourself eating a salad because most of the time you're probably studying or doing something like literally nobody cares. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I actually had like friends and like my classes, like it was just like, I felt like people were like on my level for like the first time. Like, and it was like, this is amazing. I'm like, this is college. I was like, this is great. And so I think like thinking about that moment now, it was like, I was alone. You know, like when I went and decided to do that, right? It was just me. I didn't have any friends that were joining me to do this dual enrollment thing. It was just me. I was taking a risk. I was taking a leap of faith. And I was just like, let's just see how this works out for me. And I absolutely loved it. And by the time I got to Southern, I had almost two years of college credits. So it was like, it set me up. Yes.
0: Yeah. No, I I, graduated early. So I'm going to be honest. I heard about dual enrollment and and I qualified for it, right? man, but it just when I went for the orientation, the kids were, yeah. a, little, they were a little off. Well, Nothing off. Not, you're not I'm not wrong. just saying, like, <laughs> like I'm coming from public school where like you know it's rough. Like my public school was pretty rough, like in a sense where like the kids were mean. Like I will I will attest to that. Like public school is definitely different. Um yeah. and then I went to the doom where I was like, I don't think this is for me. It's a but bunch of nerds. Dope.
1: I'm not going to I'm not going to even sit here like I I mean, my my parents would call me yeah, they were like you were a cool nerd like like I wasn't right. I wouldn't consider myself to be socially awkward and I'm how I was back then do how so. I want yeah to how I am like I've been around like a lot of the dual enrollment kids were socially awkward I'm not going to even right. like lie right. to you like they were but it's like I was like you know what this is better than where I was at so I'll take it and I was thinking ahead I was like right. how is this going to set me up for college and for later on. And I feel like it literally prepared me so much for by the time I got to Southern, like I was skating through, I already understood like the routine, the importance of like having routine and and getting up early to make it to your classes, the importance of showing up to your classes and what it actually means. And I just got one step better because now I was in the dorm and I got to get that full like experience. And so, yeah, I feel like all of that prepared me without me realizing it for entrepreneurship, because for the most part, entrepreneurship, it's, it's a solo game, unless you're going in with like a partnership type of thing. But in this day and age of like social media and like all that stuff where people are afraid to get on camera and like post things and let people know what they're doing. I'm like, you know, I had already done all that. I was like, you know what, what, what's the worst that can happen? People just don't buy or people think I'm stupid, but they're not going to tell me to my face.
0: So, so, okay. Okay. Wait. So you're saying that you because what I remember, and we went to the same college. When you hear say Southern, that's like the name of the college that we went to. But um, I remember you as being like a pretty extroverted person. Like so, we're really? like when I say that, like I saw you talk, like I saw you talk in front of people before. Like I, I think you were in plays. Like I've seen you like that's, you know what that's what I'm a
1: different story. That was a different awakening too. Okay, okay, okay. That so was a different awakening. Like, we can get into that.
0: Of, okay, okay. So when when do you think you were just like? Let's go back a little bit before entrepreneurship into like, did you already know, obviously if you're doing dual enrollment, you know that, okay, my life track right now, I'm going to go to college. Like what, what was the decision on like, what's your life after high school? And when did you start thinking like that?
1: What about entrepreneurship?
0: Not entrepreneurship, just about like, Hey, I'm. 13 years old and however you however you however old you were when you made the decision to go into dual enrollment obviously you make the decision knowing like I'm gonna go to college next like you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. so or was or were you thinking about like taking a gap year like were you dead set on college
1: yes I was always dead set on college um I mean that was always something that was kind of like I'm not gonna say it was forced like in my household but it was always Mm -hmm. just something that was expected like both my both my parents went to college so it was like you know you get good grades in school, so right. you can go to college. And my, like my mom always used to say, you go to school so you can get a good career, you know. So you know you don't have to depend on any man to take care of you, <laughs> type right. of thing. And right. so I was like, all right. And so, I mean, I worked really hard in school. Um, mm. Always worked my hardest to get straight A's and to make sure that everything was good, so I could get to a good school. And when I got to dual enrollment. I wasn't a hundred percent sure what I wanted to study, but I would take computer science courses um, throughout my time while I was there and I actually kind of liked it. And so I was like, you know what, like I was like computer scientists, like software engineers, like they make a decent amount of money after graduation. So I'm going to just, you know, take classes here. That way it'll kind of prep me and keep me ahead for when I get to college. And so I'd kind of always thought I was going to go to college and get a job and be there for 30, 40 years. Like that was literally always the idea. I had absolutely no interest in entrepreneurship whatsoever. Um, I had no interest in sales. I absolutely hated talking to people, like trying to convince people or like anything of that nature. Like if I had to sell something, you weren't going to get it from me. Like that's not a thing. I was not that person, not a salesperson. Um, so entrepreneurship was literally the last thing on my radar. Really? So So
0: how did, so, okay. So was it because you didn't have entrepreneurs around you? Like growing up, did you have any entrepreneurs around you?
1: No, I had my, my dad was always a hustler. Like there was always like multiple, like revenue streams that were happening. Like he didn't really like share it with us, but we always knew our dad to be somebody that was very frugal with money, but always had money and it wasn't until i got a little older that i realized like he's always been a hustler like even when he was in college he had like four jobs i was in college literally worked four jo- 3 4 jobs like that was literally like i was the hustler like in the family like my dad was like that my brother is like that i'm like that so we've just always known hustle not necessarily entrepreneurship we've just always known to get to the bag type of thing right. like always you know get money
0: yeah, no, I hear, I hear that. Okay, pops, yo, let me hold,
1: let me hold something,
0: man. I, I might need a few dollars right now, man. What? Okay, no, so, I know I just asked that because I know that um sometimes we don't like see ourselves as something because of lack of like actually seeing that mm-hmm. you know per, type of person in our life. So, okay, point where you are, you've graduated. And you got that job. I know in the beginning you talked about how you were working a job and you were you became successful at it or, you know, you, you became good at it. But you knew early, even though you stayed, um, I think you said a year and a half, two I years, three years,
1: three no, years. I was okay. three years. Yeah.
0: OK, so you stayed three years and but you knew early on that you didn't want to can you talk about like what it was like to know that you don't want to be somewhere and then still stay that long? Like what was that period like? Cause I watched it on Instagram, but I want everybody to understand like, cause I saw how you were unhappy and obviously I didn't know the fine details of it, but I could see like, you, was like, let's call it shade. Like, Oh, I really don't want to be here or whatever. But I could also see you working on your business, like at the same time. And for those who don't know, she's in the business of copywriting. If you guys don't know what that is, you're going to learn today because when I saw her to start, when I saw her start like uh marketing this online, I promise you, I did not know what it was. Like I, the only copyright I know is like if somebody tries to steal your work and that's what I thought it was. So we're going to learn today. So, okay. Before you talk about like that, can you just give us a definition of like what copywriting is?
1: So. I'm the simplest of terms. I say as a copywriter, I write the words that sell. So it's basically just writing for marketing and sales. Like I, the perfect example is like emails that you get, like the subject lines that get you to like open it and you're like, whoa, what the heck is in here? And like you read it and it makes you want to buy something. Like it's literally the words that make you take action. Like that is copywriting. So okay. does that make sense? Uh, like sales yes. page and like Facebook ads, people that write those, that's all copywriting, like copywriters. People's did that, websites. Or with an experience. Yes. Yep. Okay. People's websites that you read through, sales pages, webinar, uh, webinar pages that make you opt in. Um, all those are, is an example of copy. So that's okay. the stuff that I do.
0: Okay. So it's called copy.
1: The words are copy. The actual craft is called copywriting.
0: Okay. So... I don't know why, for some reason, I just, st- I, and I don't know, maybe I, I hope I'm not alone. When I go on a website, I don't even think about who wrote these words. I'm just like, oh, like this is just someone built a website and it just came like this. And <laughs> I never, and and I'm here to be super transparent. Like I, I don't have it all together. I don't know everything. I am 28 years old. I think you started doing this, what, four or five years ago? Yeah, I was 22. 22. Okay. I, I didn't know about this. Like I was like, okay, wait, this is new. So, okay. So now that we know the definition of copywriting, now we can go back to you just giving us some insight as to when you didn't like your job or you weren't satisfied with that type of living where it's like, okay, nine to five. Okay. No, this is not for me to copywriting. Or is that the first thing you started when you realized you know what?
1: It's not the first thing I started with. So technically I haven't been copywriting. Like that hasn't been my career for four years, but I've been doing it the whole time, but I'll get into that. And also. Disclaimer too, I am not against the nine to five. I realized that over the few years or year and change that I've been full time in my business, like without a nine to five, like I just wasn't passionate about the nine to five that I had. So, and honestly, listen, get your bread, however you need to, however you see fit. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. But, um, so literally I, so basically when I was working at my job, like I was literally going through the training, like, so it was literally probably within three months. Like I'd started the the um, job in June and by August, I was like, yeah, this is not going to work forever. Like what is out there? And I saw an ad for this webinar for a woman named Danielle Leslie. I don't know if you've heard about her, but she creates no. courses. Um, but she was my first introduction. Now she's like a multi like millionaire, like multi-millions like when i first found out found her i think she had like just made her first million or few million okay um and she's a course creator and so i watched the webinar and that was like my first like exposure my first like piece of exposure to people making money online like via social media and like doing like these different things online and i was like this is a thing i was like what is this and so That was when I started to kind of dabble and kind of figure out and decide, okay, what am I good at? What could people pay me for? And I feel like I probably spent the first year, year and a half, like trying to like figure out what it is that I really wanted to stick with. Cause I dabbled with a few things. I started out with finance coaching. Then I moved on to like, you know, purpose driven, like life coaching type. And then I was in this mastermind group and I sent a message asking, Hey, like, Not knowing that copywriting was even a thing, didn't even know it existed. I asked, I was like, hey, like, would you guys pay people to write your captions? And they were like, yeah, like, of course we would. And I got my first few clients literally from that. Just like they were like, you know, we'll give we'll give you a shot type of thing. What
0: What was the mastermind for, though?
1: So we were it was supposed to be a retreat. Like we were supposed to go to like Miami, Florida or something. It was a business retreat. Um, oh, okay, okay. I don't even remember exactly what it was, but I was just going because I knew the um the girl who was hosting it. I was a really good friend of hers. We met uh-huh. in a retreat in Cabo, Mexico. And okay. so, OK, OK, listen, I you hear, I, you hear I that Trey?
0: business retreat really means girls trip. All right. <laughs> just letting you guys know out there. No, but OK. So you guys were on a business retreat. So, so I just wanted to say that because the mastermind wasn't about copy. It was about something totally different. No,
1: yeah. It was just about, like, I think it, she's, a, she's a mindset coach, mindset and emotional intelligence. Oh, okay, okay. So it was really about, like, you know, just helping you with that, like, as you navigate through business. And so that's what the retreat was really going to be about. But it ended up being canceled because of the pandemic. Um, but I had been in that group, and I got my first, like, few clients from that. And it just kind of, like, took off from there. Like I started to become very well known um, because people started to like recognize me as being someone that was very good at it in the space. And I was one of the few black copywriters that were like in the space at the time. And so I would get a lot of black female clients that were like, wow, like it's so hard for me to find a copywriter that can actually like nail my voice. And so I Okay, what does
0: that mean? What does nail my voice mean?
1: Oh, okay. So copywriters. So Imagine you see how like you're talking right now and the stuff that you write on your Instagram, like the little like tweets or infographics that you create or the captions that you write. So let's say you hired somebody to do all that for you and they their job as, if, as a copywriter would be to still be able to sound just like you. Like nobody should know that a copywriter wrote this. Like it should still okay. sound like you did it. Right. Okay. Got it. Got so it. So that's what I mean by nail my voice. Like, I was, I wrote the stuff, and they're like, well, wow, like, I can't even tell that somebody else wrote this for me. Right. Like, like this you is want this to, what I want to would
0: still say. sound like you.
1: Exactly. Ghostwriter.
0: You're low key a ghostwriter.
1: Yes, but I don't write books. Ghostwriters do mostly okay, okay, like right. books and stuff. So, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. But actually, copywriters that like, you know, kind of like, you know, go further that do go that route, they make a lot of money doing that too. Okay. So there are different, lots of different branches of copywriting, like a lot of different specialties. Um, It's not like one size fits all. You can specialize in website copy. You can specialize in email. You can specialize in ghostwriting. Like you can do whatever you want, really. Um, But yeah, I spent that first year, year and a half, I guess, like trying to figure out what I was going to be known for. And then copywriting just kind of blew up. And I was like, okay, this is what is making me the most consistent money. Like it was through copywriting that I saw my first 10 and like $20,000 months. Like, and like, I was like, okay, so this is what we're going to stick with. And so that's kind of how I got there. Cause now I'm still doing that. Right.
0: So, okay. So, so, um, and yes, you guys, she said ten. thousand and twenty thousand dollar months all right i just want to make sure yeah so okay how and like like and i don't <laughs> and i'm not talking about like getting into your finances i'm talking about if oh, someone is like just starting um how long maybe did it take how mm-hmm. did you scale because i know you said you had your first couple of clients and when you had your first couple of clients were you just writing their instagram captions like just that was just solely for um
1: uh, yeah. like, social media? Yeah, so I would write their social media captions, and then I got, like, a couple sales pages that I would write, like, for, like, their, like, programs, okay. like, group programs that they were hosting. Right. Um, or if they were selling something physical, like, I would write the copy for, like, the sales page to sell it. So, yeah, those are my first few, like, clients.
0: Okay. Um, And and so, so yeah. their sales pages, okay, can you just be a copywriter who's just doing... um sales pages like that's yes. it mm-hmm. what about if you're just doing captions
1: yeah actually so caption writing i consider more to be content writing um but i like mean a social can... media manager no 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 no, oh, no. Okay. but they're like they're actually there is actually something called a content writer versus a okay. copywriter yeah okay. like content writers actually i believe fall more in the ghost writing category because they're they're usually writing like they're authors for other people and they're not usually writing to like sell they're writing for entertainment or education like they're writing books that are for just people to enjoy so that's that falls in the category of content writing versus copywriting is usually for the sole purpose of getting somebody to like buy something or take action and like do something
0: oh okay okay so so your whole goal is to help make people money like at the end of the day yes how do you Talk about what it's like to get a client and then what's your consultation like, do you, like, how do you work them through the process of convincing them? Like, Hey, I'm going to like, be good for you. Like you need, like before
1: they pay me. Yeah. Before
0: they, yeah. Before they pay you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I guess I'll walk you through the process. Like in the beginning, because I will say once 2021 rolled around, I was not getting on the phone with anybody until they paid the invoice. So talk that talk. You hear that? (laughs) Because I just realized, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with like getting on like discovery calls and that and the other, like I did all that when I first started, especially like if you're not well known, you don't have a lot of like work out there, people don't know you or know like that you're actually good at what you do, then I mean, yes, like you will have to get on those calls just for people to get comfortable and get a feel if or if it's going to be a good fitter, if they feel like they can trust you to, you know, with their money, or to do the job that they're paying you to do. And so, you know, 2020, I spent a lot of time getting on discovery calls beforehand. So basically they would inquire, filling out a form, um, telling me kind of like what their business is, what they do, um, what they want me to do for them. And I would send them a link to book a call with me um, to kind of talk through and make sure that we're going to be a good fit. And so, I mean, it would basically, I would basically just walk through kind of like what it is that I do based on what they sent me that what it is that they want and kind of, you know, reiterate Um, or have them reiterate, reiterate to me, like, what is it that you want, like, me to do? Like, what's the end goal? Like, what are we writing? What are we going to be writing for type of thing, and just kind of getting like the full picture. And then, you know, I kind of give them my pitch. But realistically, I wasn't in the business of convincing people. And the thing is, like, I said early on in the podcast that, you know, I'm not a salesperson. I'm not a salesperson in the sense of like car salesman. I'm not begging anybody to work with me. I'm not begging anybody to pay me. I'm simply telling you like what it is that I do, like how I can help you, like kind of the steps that I'm going to go through to make sure that I, you know, produce the best work for you. And I allow you to make your decision on if you feel like it's going to be a good fit based on what I've told you, the investment and like what your needs are, type of thing. And so I would kind of just like, leave that to, leave that to them. Like I would get off the call, send them, you know, the proposal to kind of highlight everything we discussed with the invoice and everything. And if Mm -hmm. they filled it out and paid it, they did. If they didn't, then they didn't. Like I, I just realized like at the end of 2020, I was like, you know what? I was like, I am not chasing after anybody. Like, I think like the straw that broke the camel's back was I got on a call with somebody that was interested in me um, writing some emails for them for black Friday. And then at the end, like they tried to pitch me, like they wanted me to pay for, some- I was like, I'm like, what is going on right now? I was like, this is not what this is. Like it literally just like turned and I was like, yeah, no. And like, literally I got off that call and I was like, did she just pitch? I was confused. I was like, mm, okay. She Yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, no, I'm not doing this anymore. And so literally 2021 stopped discovery calls like completely like if somebody inquired, I would literally send them the proposal with everything in it. And for the most part, everyone would just sign the contract pay and book their call and be on their way. Like, I didn't really have any issues. I'd have a few, like, a handful of people that, like, just wouldn't or, like, they'd request a call first just because, you know, they're like, oh, I just want to make sure the vibe is right. And it's like, okay, like, that's fine. Like, just, like, a handful of times. But for the most part, I did not have people complain how or, do like, they, fight me.
0: Did you just send them your work? Like, how did they know what you've done? So
1: that's the thing, too. Like, when you've been doing, like, what you do for – a decent amount of enough time where people know you and people talk about you sometimes the word of mouth is enough for them to trust you and i've worked with some pretty like like high level like clientele that have a lot of of say like in the space where if they say that somebody's good like they take their word for it and they don't really have any questions about it they're like okay cool because most of the people i work with like they're making so much money that they're just like they're just waiting for somebody to refer, to refer to them, like to refer them. They're like, "Um, okay, this person's good. You sure? Yes. She's amazing. And it's like, great. Just send me the invoice. Like they don't even ask questions. They don't ask to see samples. Yeah. They're just like, cool. Like, let me like, let's, how can we work together? Let's work. And I mean, like, I, I probably become spoiled because now I'm just like, great. Like I'm not going to convince anybody to, buy for me and you know maybe it's laziness I don't really know but
0: well I I think that if you're saying you're not a salesperson and I and I was in sales for three years prior to the job that I'm doing now so I I, and I'm talking about like commission like you you eat what you kill type of thing right so (laughs) I get what you're talking about I made a lot of money but I was like this can't this can't be life like for the rest of my life. Like it, it just is no way, like I'm going to burn out and then I'm going to be really mad.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And, um, and that's kind of how they get you with the whole sales jobs is like when you burn out and you just don't want to do it anymore, you're more mad at yourself because you know that you control what you make. So it's yeah. like, you're not even mad at the job really. You're like, oh, shoot, I'm actually mad at myself. But anyway, so, okay. So can we scale back a little bit and go? Cause when you talk about like getting into the copy space, can you talk to the people who may be interested in like kind of roadmap? Like, do I need to go to school for this? Do I need to be an English lit major Uh, to make sure I can write properly? Or like, how do you get into this?
1: Yeah. So I will say that I have always been passionate about writing. I've always been very good at writing. um, But I didn't, I didn't know anything about like copywriting as far as like the craft itself. So when I started my entrepreneurship journey in general, you would always have, like, all the courses I would buy, there would be a lesson on copywriting. Like, hey, like, make sure that your copy is good because if you can't convince people with, like, your copy, like, nobody's going to buy. So copy is important.
0: So you did take a copy course?
1: It wasn't a copy course. Like, business courses usually talk about copywriting. Like, there's usually some, like, like a small section where they talk about, like, the copy. Like, if you're creating, like, your own, like, offers or, like, sales pages type of thing, like, they'll, like, give you kind of, like, little like formulas hey like this is like kind of what i put because you know there's a lot of like copywriting copy templates for like sales and like marketing you can find email templates all types of stuff because it's it's known throughout the business space that like you know your words do matter right there has to be some type of convincing in the words for people to want to buy or some type of call to action for people to buy type of thing so Yeah, no, it wasn't a course like when I was first starting out later on, like as I was like getting more like deep into it, I did invest in a couple courses just to like learn a little more. But even then, like courses in copywriting will teach you the basics. But once you develop the craft for real and you really become good at it and you enjoy it, you'll kind of develop your own kind of flair and spin and there'll be some stuff you'll see in courses you won't agree with just because you're like, eh, that might work for you, but I do it this way. And that's okay. Like it's not like one size fits all, but um, yeah. So you definitely don't have to go um, to school. Like you don't have to be an English lit major. Now I will say if you do look for opportunities like in corporate, Um, because I have looked into like copywriting like corporate opportunities like they do a lot of them do look for like journalism or communications majors types of thing but they also they also won't if you have like a really good portfolio so let's say you decide to freelance and you decide to freelance with the intention of like eventually wanting to like do this profession like in a corporate setting as long as you're able to like build up your portfolio whether that's through you know social media marketing, or, you know, people that'll let you like write stuff for them. And you're able to collect, um, just like samples, like of your work that you can share to potential employers. Like that's usually enough too like, if you're knowledgeable in the topic and you have samples to support it, um, that's usually good. So I, it's not something you have to go to school for. Um, people do go to school for it, but it's not a requirement. Um, I'm self-taught. I self-taught myself just from, um, the experience that I learned from like the different business courses that I had and from being around, um, a lot of entrepreneurs, I got around a lot of like entrepreneurship spaces, like whether that was in masterminds or like course groups or Facebook groups or like, like different meetups. Um, I got into those things very early on, like literally like when I was like first starting just because I was like, okay, like I need to get like around people that understand. I need to get around people that are like doing this so I can get a feel for like what I need to be doing to like be successful or figure out what's working right now. And what's not kind of hear like success stories and like kind of see what other people are doing. Um, and I feel like that really helped me too. Cause I was able to see so much different examples of like sales pages, emails, copy. And I wasn't even looking into copywriting per se back then, but being around all those different people kind of exposed me to, what's working right now in the space? Like right. what's common right now? Like what, what should I be looking out for when I'm writing, let's say emails or like sales pages? Like I know what's happening because I'm, I've been in the space long enough now, but I also surround myself. Like most of my Instagram is of people that are entrepreneurs. Like most of my followers, people I follow, they're all, most of them are business owners. So I'm very much like in the loop as to what's happening.
0: Right, I feel um, like you have to be because, I mean, if you're, you know, if you're writing copy and most of your clients are like small business, and when I say small, I just say that to say like they're not like a corporate, Fortune yeah, they're Fortune not Fortune Apple, business. right, yeah. right, and so like they need your services, um, and so like I just think I want to pause because if you're thinking right now that you can start something, but you don't, you want to start something, but you don't know like where to start as Elise was saying, like she was just going to these business masterminds and it wasn't even for copy. It just so people like, what do you need? And I think a lot of times we're not asking people, like we're not doing market research. Like what do people need right now? Like Mm -hmm. where can I fit in? You know, versus like, oh, I don't know what I want to do. Well, you're not asking people what they need because if you want to have a business, you have to serve people and you need to ask people like what they're needing. So that's just a little gem for you guys. You guys really need to make sure that even if you're in a mastermind amongst a whole bunch of entrepreneurs, she got like a bunch of clients just from like being in the room and saying like, okay, cool. I'll do that. If you guys need that, I'll just do that. And she ended up liking it. So that's, that's actually pretty, pretty cool. So I want to know how you scaled from just having like maybe a couple of clients to a $10,000 month. Give me one second. I'm going to close this blind real real quick. Oh yeah. You're good. I was like,
1: you're getting real shiny. (laughs)
0: All right, cool. Yeah, that's much better. All right, sorry guys. All right, so, um, so yeah, and obviously, like, yeah, as much as you want to share as to how you scaled your prices. Oh, I'm very yeah.
1: I'll share everything.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Because I know someone's like they hear ten thousand and it's a little bit daunting, but I know ten thousand is a number that like even for myself as like someone who's branching off into entrepreneurship, I'm like my first goal is a month if i can do that like i'm like okay cool then i'll worry about the next so i think that's like a number that all like aspiring entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. are like if i hit that like i think i'm good yeah Um, because you can make six figures people think six figures
1: they think ten thousand dollars a month yeah
0: right right so yeah so so how so how did that happen
1: i'm gonna start this by saying a disclaimer is that entrepreneurship do not be fooled like yes i saw 10 and 20 thousand dollar months I did not see $10,000 a month after I had that 20,000 for like six months again. So with entrepreneurship, you have very high highs and you also have very low lows. And that's another thing too, that I feel like most entrepreneurs just starting out, they think, oh, once I make this amount of money, like I'm going to be set. But the reality is it, it doesn't take much for you to fall. Like, and it's like, what, but do, are you willing to keep doing it even when you are in the lowest of lows? Like when there is no money coming in, you're like, shoot, like how am I going to keep this going? Like, are you still going to keep it going? Right. Like that's when it's really testing you when it's like, Ooh, but anyway, back to the, the um, 10,000. No, $10, no, you're yeah, absolutely right. Yep. So this, I want to say, Part of this is, actually a big part of this, is pricing. If you're not priced correctly, hitting $10,000 and $20,000, it may be possible, but you will burn yourself out if you are not like priced. Because imagine if you just were priced at, let's say, $100 a project or something mm-hmm. like that. How many projects would you need to get to $10,000?
0: A bunch. A hundred. A, a lot. Exactly. A lot. More? Yeah. Probably more a hundred if you really, like, really want to see. Yeah.
1: Like yeah. who... I don't have time to do 100 projects or serve 100 clients. that doesn't work. But you also have to be mindful too of, you know, how known you are, what kind of expertise you do have. um, And if people are going to pay you like what it is that you want, like, when I first started out, like with copywriting, like my first sales page, the price I had it at, I think was like $1,200, right? Which Sounds like a lot to me. I was like, wow, like I really just started out with that. But I had been in the entrepreneurship space for like a year and a half before that, where I'd seen that like, you know, this is I was in a high ticket industry. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try this out. Twelve hundred dollars. And let's see what happens, because I knew that my competitors were charging like three or four thousand dollars. So I was like, all right, twelve hundred. That's lower than the competition right now. And I'm just starting out. So let's do this. And so I did it. And nobody nobody complained about it. And so I just kept it going and I was like, all right, $1,200. And then I got my first. Wait, wait, wait.
0: So what does explain to people what $1,200, a $1,200 project consisted of?
1: Oh, okay. So for me, a $1,200 project consisted of one, um, sales page up to 1200 words. Um, a copy kickoff call, which is basically like the onboarding call um yeah and that's it it was a call uh-huh. and you get the copy yes
0: so a call me meaning okay so you would call the obviously the person who's the business owner and yeah have a call with them mm-hmm. for them to and then the kickoff page when you say kickoff like so you were talk these people that you were getting their projects for were getting ready to launch a business or already had a business?
1: No, they already had a business. They might be oh. launching like a new program or a or new product pro- like okay. a new course, like a new project type of thing, a new product. And so they would reach out to me and you know I would send them everything invoice everything, whatever. And they would, you know, fill everything out, sign, pay everything. And we'd get on a call where basically that is my opportunity to get a feel for your voice, right? Because I record all the calls so I can hear you talk about your own product and like your program to kind of get a feel of like, you know, who do you serve? Like, what is your story? Like, where did this program come from? Like, how did it come about? And kind of like, what is your vision for what you want this program to do and how I can best make sure that's displayed in the copy that I'm writing for you. So the kickoff call is basically just the way for me to get the most information about the um, project that you want me to complete as possible, um, while also getting to know like your voice and different things that you say and how you say certain things. So yeah, that's what's included in the project.
0: And the $1,200 project. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, cool. Sorry. And then you were going on to like I guess after the $1200, what was that like?
1: Yeah, so eventually I moved up to 15 and then I moved up to 17. And I'm still at 17 for sales pages, but um what ended up happening was for the 10 and $20,000 month, I ended up creating a package because I would have people there was a need for people to have emails. Right. I realized, I recognized that people were, you know, when they were creating, when they wanted me to create like sales pages, I would hear them talk about, okay, like now I just have to like write the emails for this, for the launch, right. To promote it to their email list. Oh, and to, I,
0: okay. So the email they would send would send people, direct people to the sales page.
1: Yes. To direct okay. people to the sales page. But at the time I wasn't writing emails. But I recognized the need and I was like, you know what? Let me just create a package that gives them sales page copy and also five or six emails for an email sequence, a launch sequence. Oh, right. And that package was $2,500. So y'all hear that? Yeah. So <laughs> y'all, do y'all hear
0: that? Wow. Okay. No, I'm excited because like, once again, if you're listening, you got to understand you don't need to go to school. And I'm not saying school is is not a great route. I went to school. I enjoyed um, going to university. It was awesome. But I'm just saying you don't, you don't need. It's not, it's not a necessity to break into this field. And then not only can you break into the field, but you can also charge $1,200 and scale up. But then you can also, which Elise has just been so great at doing, is identifying like what else do people need. I'm telling you, like they will tell you you're trying to have a successful business. Listen to your customers. Listen to the people who are pretty much paying you to do something already, and figure out what else they need. And they needed emails, so that was that's what you went with. Okay, so now we're at the point where you're doing, uh, you're still you're still doing the sales pages, but you're also mm-hmm. doing a combined package for, yes. for twenty five hundred dollars.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, yeah. sorry. Go ahead.
1: And so I think the month that I made the ten thousand, like my first actually, my first $10,000 month happened the month after George Floyd, my business blew up like crazy after that. And I had just started copywriting. But that was different. I I didn't have any strategy for that. That just happened. Okay. But (laughs) the next time it happened. um, Yeah, I think I had sold like, four of those packages. And I was on retainer, like email retainer um, for another client. And I think I had like a couple sales pages come in too. So I think I made like, between like 15 and like 18 grand, I think like in cash, like, like that came into my bank account, like that month. And in sales, it was probably like 20 or 21 K. But yeah, it was like, it was crazy. But I mean, for the most part, it was definitely the way that my packages were structured and the way that I had them priced. But I don't want that to be like the main driver for people just because like the industry, like the online industry is, is 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 different it's different now you know like you have to be like careful because people don't trust everyone so i would say like you know go in where you feel comfortable actually being able to sell yourself if you don't believe that you can sell yourself at 2500 dollars, then don't do it because they're gonna they're gonna feel that like they can right. feel that like you don't believe you're worth the 2500 dollars. so why okay. should i pay you type of thing right, right. But at this stage, I was very confident that I could deliver you $2500 worth of work and like you can go somewhere else if you want to, but this is this is the price is the price type of thing. Right. And like i really never had an issue because it's like you said I was really fulfilling a need, right? And most of these clients were already making well over 10,000, 12,000, 15,000, some of them $100,000. They were making so much money they didn't really care. They were just like, "All right, cool, write off for the taxes and I don't have to worry about this launch." and writing the copy for this wonderful where do i sign and so yeah that was how i got my first um set of like five figure months but it also required a lot of like consistent marketing like on social media all the time posting posting reels you know, dancing reels, doing God knows what, just to get people's attention. I saw you,
0: when the reels came out, I saw you turn up. I'm like, nah, she's going crazy right now. Yeah. You're probably posting a a reel a day or maybe two. I was like, yo, she's taking advantage. Yeah, and
1: that month, I made $10,000 that month. That month that I was posting reels every single day, I saw December 31st, I literally somebody paid an invoice and I broke past the $10,000 for that month. Like, nice. But it's okay. It, so, yeah,
0: let me see. Okay. So as far as retainer, how does that, that work? That, that almost way? sounds like subscription bait. Like for me, if I could be in a business that subscription, like that's all me because I love to talk so I can continue to talk. I know you said you don't like to market. Like I don't mind marketing. There's a difference between like trying to sell and market. Like you can be a good salesperson, but if you can't market, like, still you'll make money because you can sell but like I believe like people like I don't know like Gary Vee or like people uh like a whole bunch those top like one percent entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. um Grant Cardone and those different type of people like they can sell and they can market and so they're like unicorns because they do both like so great. So like Going back to like the retainer stuff, what are these, these people are just on retainer or clients retainer for emails or when, or meaning whenever they have a launch, they pay you, or even if they don't have a launch, they still pay you. How does that work?
1: Yeah. So first things first, I don't mind selling and marketing. I'm just in a space though, where I'm just tired after I had my son, nothing was the same. Nothing. I, I'm still recovering like in the sense of like I really don't have energy to be on Instagram all day. I right, just don't right. have the energy. So right. I just that's kind of where the glasses part came because it's a lot easier for me to market that. Like I get right. very excited marketing that. I just don't get as excited marketing for copywriting anymore. I'm just I'm just right. tired. So glasses is just it's just where it's easy for me. But right. Um I forgot the question. What was the question?
0: No, no, no. So, so I was just saying for the retainer part, like, oh, yes. do people do people even like a month where people don't have any product launching, they still you still get paid?
1: Oh yeah. So I have people on so three month contract, and they pay me a certain amount, either between eight hundred and two thousand dollars a month, um, depending on what I'm on retainer for. Um, I have one where I'm just on retainer for emails and then I have one where, you know, you get like up to like five or six pieces of content per month where that can include sales pages, website pages, um, landing pages, emails, like, you know, whatever it is that you need for the month, like the amount like covers that. Um, but yeah, so it just depends on like what the person's needs. Like for emails, I always delivered like the specific amount of emails that like we've agreed on for the month, um, with the more open retainer, where it's like, you just get pieces of content, like it just depends on what they need for that month. Like some months I definitely do less and I still get paid the full amount on the first of the month. So it just depends on what the need is. So,
0: Okay. Okay. So, okay. So we're going to, we're going to just go ahead and shift towards the glasses uh, because she's uh, by the time this is out, she would have already launched. Um, Let me say let me make sure I'm saying this right. Visia? Visaya. Visaya, yeah. Visaya. And I was going to say that but I was like, no, Visaya which is, it has to do with your
1: yeah. So son's, my son's, your son's name is son's Beyonce, name. Okay. Beyonce. Beyonce okay. Josiah. And so I literally just
0: put it together. Yes. yes. Okay. I thought so. Okay. All right. So before we shift into the glasses, which we'll talk about briefly, but I just want you to kind of just end this with letting someone know if you're looking to get into the copy space right now, what is like, give them like a one, two, and third step that they need to do. Like this is someone who has never even tried it before and what they need to be doing.
1: So number one, um, do some research on what it actually is. So, like, that's important. Look up examples of copy, even, like, the different kinds of copy that are out there because it's not just one kind. So kind of look up, do some research on the, like, what copywriting is and kind of, like, what it entails and the different, like, niches of copywriting that you could get into. Um, Number two, kind of make a decision on where you feel like you would be the most beneficial. Like, what niche of copywriting do you feel like you would be the best at? right, that you'd be the most successful at, that you would be able to serve clients the best. Um, And then, well, I guess that's all part of one. Two, go on social media or, or go to people that you know that are like business owners or that are in the marketing space that know like about copywriting and kind of figure out, you know, where you can get like some experience doing it, right? Even if you decide the first few projects that you're going to do are free, just so you can like test it out and kind of see like, you know, is this something that I like? Or is this something that I could really keep up or that I'd even want to do? Upwork is a good place you could go to and like Fiverr where you could kind of, you know, like apply to like different like copywriting jobs that are out there. Um, If you want to start like freelancing type of thing and you're just starting out and you just want to like fill your portfolio, those are two good places to go. But social media and word of mouth, like your network, if you have like, you know, small business owners in your network, those are good places that you can check out too, to kind of dip your feet in the water. And then three, I mean, if you end up realizing that you like it and this is something that you could do kind of create like a little, you know, a little, I'm not going to say business plan because I don't want you to get too like psyched out, but just like a plan of like attack on like, what are the goals that you want to like set for this? Like, what are the things that you want to do? Like, you know, do you want to make a lot of money doing this? Or is this something that you just want to dabble? Like, what are the real goals that you have for starting this new venture and kind of figure that out? And I feel like that'll kind of help you and guide you as you're kind of going through the path of starting a copywriting business or like getting interested into it
0: okay and if you want to shout out anyone unless you're going to be dropping the course on how to be a great copywriter if you're it's not been. that's cool but who, who would you shoot people to who would you send people to to say like hey go and take a copy course if you had to
1: yeah i'll do you one better because it's free she's got a bunch like a whole youtube channel just dedicated to like people that want to be copywriters her name is alex cotone um and if you look up like the copy posse, like she'll pop up. But Alex Katoni on YouTube, if you look her up, like she's got a bunch of stuff on copywriting. I have watched so much of her stuff when I was first starting out, like watched a whole bunch of stuff and she's really good. Really, really okay. good.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, don't say, don't say um Elise never did anything for you guys. All right. She just gave you somebody who can help you get started. So okay, cool. All right. So we're gonna transition from copy and she's a two-time you know, Grammy award business owner. So, but okay. So talk to me about why sunglasses. All I, all I know is you went from writing words and I just see a whole bunch of sunglasses, pictures, videos. I'm like, what is she up to? And then I see you're taking a music video. I'm like, yo, what? And then I know there's a launch. So what, why sunglasses?
1: I know it wasn't the smoothest marketing transition, but I didn't really care. But, um, yeah, so Literally, so I was going through one of my like, really low, low points of like entrepreneurship. And I was like, all right, at least like, what can we do? And I just actually had to like kind of go back to things that I loved. I was like, okay, at least like, what is something that you like enjoy? Like, what's something else that you could like venture off into? And I had wanted to dabble into e commerce. um, Because Trey is into e commerce. And I was like, I was like, okay, like maybe I could have a clothing line. Like I could do that. And then I was just like, I just didn't end up like going through with it. It was just a lot of work that I just didn't feel like dealing with. I was like, eh, don't really feel like it. And then I just like, i I put on like one of my favorite pairs of glasses from another small business owner that um, sells glasses. She sells mostly clothes now, but she used to focus on glasses. And I put on the glasses and like the side, like, like, one of the arms, like, ripped, like, broke. It just fell off onto the floor. And I was like, dang. I was like, what the heck? I was like, this is, like, my favorite. And I didn't think anything of it. And then a YouTuber that I know, I don't know if you knew Ken and Diara, but she so. launched, Yeah, you know, they're not together anymore, but oh, she launched um, a sunglasses line, like, a few months back. And I was okay. like, Huh. I was like this is brilliant and it just like hit me and I was like I was like man I was like Elise if there's one thing people know you for it's a good pair of sunglasses all the time at any time I was like and obviously you know like her style was was completely different from mine she's very eclectic and into snakes and such that's not me but I was like you know what Elise and I just remembered like After I had my son, like I did not feel confident, like taking pictures for real without sunglasses or videos. Like if you look at like the earlier reels that I took, like after giving birth, I have sunglasses on and all of them, all of them, because I just was not feeling myself like it's just not it's just not a pretty time like after birth. You just don't feel that great. And so I just thought about like how much of an impact. I know it's weird to say, but how much like sunglasses really meant to me like at at one point it was like oh you know sunglasses are cute it's a fashion statement but literally at one point it was literally like a huge source of confidence for me and i was like okay like i think this is something that i could really sell because i fully believe that if there's a real story and like passion behind what you're doing it makes it that much easier to create it and sell it and that's literally how it's been with these glasses like i literally you know found a supplier um, requested samples, loved my samples, and then requested like you know how much would I need to be able to get my logo put on it, and they was asking for some crazy stuff. So I had to switch suppliers <laughs> like midway. <laughs> I was actually, like, <laughs> actually, guys, cancel that order. I don't need it. I'm good.
0: Damn. I was like,
1: that's not gonna work. So I found a different supplier. Um, literally had the same quality and I was able to get even like like do like two um, different styles that I found in addition to the ones that I was already looking at and I was like okay how much like you know to get the logo and I was like they were giving me some numbers I could work with I was like all right, we can do that I was like let's do that and so I got the samples in with the logo I almost didn't I almost got the samples without the logo because I was trying to be cheap but I was like no let me see it with the logo and i got those in the mail and i was like it's over
0: it's lit Yeah. over
1: yeah. and it was just like i don't know it's just been such like an amazing journey and like you know just being able to kind of like see the birth of something like like when you walk into stores and you like buy clothes and do all these things like you don't really think about the process that it took to like plan it or make it but it's like right. now that i'm like doing this i'm like man like there's like a whole like step by step process. Like my joints were stuck at customs for like a month. Like it was like a Dang. whole big thing. So um, when did you start this process? I started this in April.
0: April of 2022, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: So it hasn't been and, like years, but
0: right. It's good for someone who's looking to start a sunlight sunglasses business, and they're like, "Where do I start? How long is it going to take?" Um, that's not that's not bad. I mean, what is it? August now, and you're about to launch did you what was the hardest part
1: of all of that the hardest part hmm what was the hardest part i think the hardest part was probably so if there's one thing about me i love high quality um and i love high quality with everything especially if i'm going to have like my name on it so it's been like i'm not gonna say it's been hard but committing to not like cutting corners in any area, you know, like it's like the glasses are high quality and I'm like, great. But that means the packaging that it comes in also has to be high quality. The casing has to be high quality. The boxes that it's being shipped in needs to be high quality. Like the experience of the buyer needs to be high quality. The website needs to look like it's worth the pricing you're about to pay. Like there was a lot of money that had to be put in up front, like from the beginning, just because I was like, I'm not trying to compromise in any area. Right. And, and, and and this is not to say like, just because, you know, I have another business, like I, some of this joint went on credit, like it's still risk. We still just Mm -hmm. hoping things like work out, you know what I mean? But, you know, it's just been, I think the hardest part though, was probably just like making the decision to do it because it was like, I'm one of those people that once I decide And once I make that first move, there's no stopping. Like it has to continue. Like when I got that first set of samples and then I said, okay, how much would it be for me to put the logo on it? And that pricing didn't work. I could have stopped there and been like, well, this is just a sign. Maybe I'm just supposed to do it without the logo. And like, you know, Trey and my friends were like, no, you have to have the logo on it. Like, what is it without the logo? Like you have to have it. And I was like, I was like, you know what? You guys are right. Like you're right. And so I went and found somebody else, a different supplier, which means I had to rebuy more samples, make sure they were good quality, and then do the logo, do the whole process again. But it was so worth it. Like now, like being less than three weeks out, I'm like, I'm so glad that like, this is the journey that I went through. Um, But it's also like, you know, I don't even think the hard part has really started yet. Like the hard part is going to be keeping up with it, right? Like when I launch on... August 17th like and that first week is over and maybe I don't get the sales that I want what then right Right. you got to keep going and even then when you sell out you got to do it again and again and again so I think for me I think because I've already started a business like I've realized that the hardest part really isn't starting it's maintaining Mm -hmm. it's keeping it going like that's going to be like the hardest part for business owners when it gets it's hard in the beginning but I feel like it's even harder when you've seen the success and then things kind of start to like, you know, look a little weird and you're like, man, like, should I keep going? Like, that's yeah. when you're really getting tested. Like, all right, am I really built for this? And if right. so, like, what am I going to do about it?
0: Right. Right. no And so was this business, like, I guess the idea, I know, I know that you mentioned you started this because, you know, of, you know you, you like sunglasses pretty much and you got the idea or not the idea but you broke your sunglasses that's the story and that's awesome was this more of a fine it's like a passion project so to speak oh
1: this is i think it's a mixture and i think that's what makes this so good because it is definitely a passion project but i definitely see this being like a huge like revenue driver for me like okay And I think I made that decision when I was deciding how much inventory I was going to buy. I was like, all right, at least am I going to just get a little bit so I can make, you know, just a little change that, you know, I'll be able to pay my bills for this month or whatever, or am I trying to make like see a, a big amount of money from this? And like that, that was, it was then that I had to make that decision. Like, okay, how much money am I really about to put in here? Like what return am I really looking for? Right. And so yeah, I think I think it's a mixture. Like, yes, this is definitely a passion project, way more fun than when I was starting my first business. Right. Um, but I definitely see this as being like a revenue driver as well. So I think it's a both. Best okay. of both worlds.
0: Okay, okay. And I feel like, I mean, just the fact that because I'm sure you got a website. If you guys haven't uh hit the link in the bio. I hate saying that, but like I know like, seriously, but you like, have like, to. You have to um but I know that now that you have the experience of like copy you kind of like you kind of like a a a one-woman show here like you know you have a lot like for for someone who had to like outsource to someone to copy you don't have to do that because you know how to do it
1: yeah no like I had my um website designed and for the for the glasses and like you know the designer like you know they like pre-filled like copy and like they wrote some stuff and I was like I took out all of it (laughs) and put in like my own stuff.
0: No, no, that's, that's the, I mean, I think that a lot of people, when they're looking to be like, um, I guess like have multiple streams of income, a lot of people will say like, you got to have like so many streams of income, seven or whatever it may be. But I think like a lot of people get really successful at one first, and then they try to like build on top of, that one. So Mm -hmm. I mean, sunglasses are, I guess it's not really like connected to copy, but you need copy in order to sell sunglasses and be really successful. So it actually is, you know, some type of connection.
1: Yeah. I think honestly, like, I think really like, even though I have the experience with copywriting, I think more in my experience just with business in general is what kind of made this process like Better too, even though e-commerce is completely different, completely different. Like dealing with product versus dealing with like online stuff is very different. And right. I'm grateful because, you know, Trey had experience doing stuff with like e-commerce. Um, so I was kind of able to watch him go through the process, and then I was kind of able to do the same thing. Right. And like, you know, right. he taught me like little like tips and tricks to like, you know, save money here, save money there. And so it was like, all right, like cool. Yeah, so, Yeah, it's definitely different. I mean, like they're definitely both two very, two very um, completely different things. But I am passionate about this business, like sunglasses, just because of what it means to me and just because it's fun. I feel like the business doesn't have to always be like humdrum, you know, like it really can be fun. Like you actually can like be passionate about something that's like bringing you revenue, like for real, for real. And it can bring you a lot of revenue. You know, I want this to bring me a lot of money. I'd love it if the glasses business could make me six figures in a year. Like that would be great.
0: I mean, I think that, I think the difference here is that with your copy business, you can kind of control it. Um, You can maybe tell clients that, hey, like I'm booked for, you know, the next three months. But like when people want sunglasses, like they want sunglasses. So it's it's kind of right. like it's different. you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's different. It's like, so when you were talking about like maintaining it, it's like dang, like you, you really are gonna have to maintain so be like, oh, we sold out, we gotta get some more because mm-hmm. people want versus saying, like, hey, I'm taking the next two months off. My client list is booked up. Sorry, like whatever. People are understanding of that because they almost want what they can't have, you know what I'm saying? But with sunglasses, if they can't have your sunglasses, they're gonna have somebody's um, you know, sunglasses, but
1: exactly. so I guess
0: it, it is kind of a different type of business. So I guess your mindset would have to shift. So, okay. So I'll, I'm gonna let you go here in a little bit, but I just want you to talk about the fact that your husband and you are like both entrepreneurs. Like what is that? Is Trey still in entrepreneurship space?
1: He is. He also okay. has like nine to five too. So, okay. 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 He does. So yeah.
0: wh- what is that like working? Now, like, I'm guessing before with the copy, Trey wasn't involved. Am I correct? No, he knows
1: absolutely nothing about what I do.
0: Okay, okay, okay. So I'm not the only one. As far as this new business, is he going to be, like, more involved with, like, the uh, Vizia eyewear?
1: Yeah. So, honestly, I have told him he can be as involved as he wants to be. Like, we kind of, like, you know we've decided that, like, we are going to be together on, like, all our businesses. So, like, you know, we're coming together for this one and for, like, his, like, um, his 25-8 business. So, like, you know, he is as involved as he wants to be. Like, if I ask him for, like, advice on certain things, he'll give it. But realistically, he's kind of, like, you know, babe, like, this is your thing. Like, you do, you know, do whatever you want to do type of thing. Like, he's very, like, hands off. And I'm, I tried to. I'm kind of the same way with his business, just because we're both very like passionate. And so if he feels like he's right, and I feel like I'm right, we're just going to start like arguing. And like, so like when it came to his business, I tried to like put like my two cents in when he like first started, because I was like literally in a business, like I had one, and he was not trying to hear it. And we would like, get in like arguments. And so we just decided we're like, you know what, Like, if we're going to come together, we got to let each other thrive, like, in our strengths and just kind of let it be type of thing. So he's kind of just letting me kind of like, do my own thing and like, kind of see, he's kind of just watching, like, you know, I'll just see how it goes type of thing. Like, if you need me, I'm here. But he's not like, putting his two cents in where it's not needed. I just think he's trying to let me like, he just wants me to do my own thing, see how it goes.
0: Right, right. Okay. Okay. So, so we talked about a lot, and I think you gave a lot of great gems. I think you really got really detailed about what you do, how you did it. What would you say now? And I always say now because purpose can change. Like, there's different seasons of your life where you. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm built for right now. And the season you're in right. Now, what is you know? What do you believe your purpose is?
1: Whew. you know, I feel like this is a weird answer, but I feel like. I don't feel like we each have like one purpose for our entire life. Like, and I feel like for a while I thought that, but it, that changed a lot for me. Like after I had my son, because I realized I couldn't be like the super hustler, like businesswoman, like making all the money and also being like a present and like happy mom and wife. Like I just couldn't. And I feel like during that time, like my purpose was just to focus on, finding my place as a mother, like how I was going to do that while also finding myself. And I feel like I'm, I'm slowly getting like the gist of like how I can balance like everything else. Like my brain is finally allowing that um, for me to have the space to do that. So I feel like purpose changes. Like, I don't know, every day I just pray for like wisdom for whatever path God has for me next. Because quite honestly, like I have no idea what he has, like, in front of me. And, and you know, I I don't know. Maybe it's weird, but I don't really know what I feel like my purpose is. Like, I felt like I knew when I first started my business um, because everyone says, oh, you have to know, like, what your purpose is or else you're not going to be passionate about what you're doing. But I feel like I felt like my purpose has been different so many times that I feel like it's just dependent on whatever mission God has me on for at the time. So, I don't know. I try... Not to put myself in like a bubble like that just because I really, I don't really know. Like I thought I knew, but I really don't. I don't. Right. I think it changes.
0: So, so, but you're, so even though you may feel like, oh, I, I don't know right now, you think that being in search of it is something that, do you think that's necessary?
1: So, I feel like, I feel like that's an interesting question. Like, I feel like if I didn't believe in God, then I would constantly feel like i was searching for purpose Mm. but i feel like now that like like when i'm when i feel like i'm in like a good place with god our relationship is good and i spend the time that i should with him i'm not constantly in search and like wondering like what my purpose is and what what am i supposed to be doing right now i'm kind of just content just being still and just like kind of allowing the you know allowing myself to fall where i'm supposed to fall type of thing which I'm like the last person to say, oh, just go with the flow. But if that's one thing I've learned, like with this entrepreneurship journey, that is it. Like, just kind of go with the flow, like let the pieces fall where they may. And, you know, I just pray for the peace to endure whatever that looks like.
0: Right. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and speak to my audience and just let them know and remind them where they can find this podcast, this show. Uh, While I'm doing that, I just want you to think of any closing thoughts any closing remarks you want to say any sh- that's gonna be your time to rock the mic and do whatever so uh go ahead and think about that but for right now i want to speak to my community hey you guys i love you all listen you can find this uh podcast and podcast on any streaming platform i mean apple spotify amazon um stitcher google um definitely youtube if you version, which is always recommended because you get to see my beautiful face. But um, I just want to let you guys know, we are simply here to remind you that purpose is real. Purpose is something that you can go after. Um, And although it may be risky, I hope that I'm bringing on the right people on this show to help you all um, and kind of guide you all uh, through that risk um, and helping you find your purpose. Um, So that's my piece. Elise, it's it's, it's on you.
1: Yeah. So... I want to say that one of the like biggest things that like my husband still gets on me about is he's like, you know, you're always just ready to spend so much money to do these things. And it's like, it's facts. I am like, when I first started entrepreneurship, I was ready to drop those bands. Okay. To learn and do what I needed to do. And I will say like, That may not be for everyone, but I do want to say, like, if you are passionate about something and you know that you want to, like, embark on a certain journey and if there is a way for you to, you know, learn the skills that you need to and gain the experience that you can that will, you know, save you 10 years down the line, you know, versus, you know, doing it by yourself and, you know, falling, getting back up and doing things for the next 20 years versus just you know, paying somebody that maybe has the knowledge and the experience that can really help you um, get to where you want to be, like, I encourage you to take the risk, especially if it's something that you are sure that you want to continue doing just because, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, you know, I've gotten myself into some holes. I'm not going to sit here and like lie and say, oh, it's just been amazing. Every investment has been worth it. But even though I have been in the holes, I, I feel like they've all been worth it. They've all brought me here. They've all gotten me the experience that I have now and the knowledge that I would have never gotten if I didn't pay to get it. So right. take the risk. Right.
0: That's dope. That's dope. Okay. Where can they find you? Social medias, business pages, whatever you have, all that stuff. Go ahead and shout that out.
1: Yeah. So social media is at Elise K, A L E I S E K A Y. And you'll find my um, Visaya Eyewear business page through there just because I'm not going to spell that out for y'all. It's a little complicated, right, but, right. um, yeah, the I is launching August 17th by the time you listen to this would we'll have already launched. So yep. be sure to yep. head on over there and get yourself some cute sunnies. Summer's not over yet. So.
0: Right. Wait, wait. wait. is it, is it unisex? Cause I, I grab a pair or no, not yet. Yeah.
1: So it's not unisex yet, but okay. the next collection for like fall winter time is going to be unisex. Okay. Okay.
0: I'll wait. I'll wait. Yeah. My brother's
1: been like, where's the guys? Can I invest in the guys? I was like, hold on.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Okay. Cool. Cool. No, that's dope. All right. Well, um, and man, this is the purpose driven risk podcast. I just want to remind all of you, um, that we're bringing this information, you know, so that you guys can be action takers. So what I mean by that is if you see, Um, Elise's link in the bio to buy some, uh, to purchase uh, some eyewear, we want you to do that. We want you to support, right? Uh, Because she's giving you the gems that's hopefully going to make you successful. Also, if you're someone right now looking to get into the copyright um, space, I'm gonna go ahead and actually get the name and the information from Elise on who she uh, mentioned that you can go ahead and tap in with to maybe start that process. But once again, This is something where we're not knocking a school or traditional education, um, but the fact that we both went to college, uh, we both have our degrees, um, Elise uh, was working in corporate and found another way to make just as much and more money um, than what she was doing using her degree. We just want to make sure that you all know all of the options that there are and not just focusing on one before you make that decision. But once again it's your boy b with the purpose Driven risk podcast and uh i love you all and have a great one peace